but how would I communicate this if this was a friend? Like, what would I tell them? What's up, everyone? My name is Sagi Schreiber, and I'm here to bring you amazing guests that will teach us all about creating prosperous lifestyle businesses, improve our mindset, and build awesome tribes around our skills and passions. Today, I interviewed Justin Jackson on the show. Justin is a coder, a writer, a father, and a super successful entrepreneur who managed to build a huge community and launch amazing products to them. So I've been following Justin for a couple of years now, and I'm very excited to have him on the show. I actually, after the show, also actually moved to one of his products, and we'll talk about that. And we talked about, on the show, we talked about like writing and keeping up with the writing, how to find our tone of writing and our voice as content creators, how to differentiate ourselves in the market. Um, we talked about tips for live streaming, our mindset as creatives, how to find what to write about, and how to create great content for multiple outlets, like repurposing, and a lot of other things. amazing topic so this was an awesome conversation I really really enjoyed it and learned a lot from it and hope you will too so let's get this party started yo 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 what's up creative entrepreneurs Sagi here and welcome to the creative premier show the podcast where digital creatives share their stories on how they've instilled greatness into their own lives and the lives of others where we discuss strategies for online businesses personal branding mindset design digital marketing storytelling high achievement and so much Much more everything we need in order to build our influence our brand and our businesses in order to build a life of impact hey everybody what's up welcome to the creativepreneur show and today we have Justin Jackson with us Justin what's up man I'm doing well it's uh, yeah I just had my morning coffee it's like 11 a.m. here oh nice man you said, you said a little bit later where you are though <laughs> yeah totally here it's almost uh 9 p.m yeah you're not drinking I, coffee now uh dude i i would actually love some coffee right now but yeah i just don't want to <laughs> mess up my my sleep after that but dude man it's, it's great talking to you i've been following you for a while for i guess like i think even maybe a couple of years or so like you know on and off kind of like just you know following your stuff and i still have i don't know why and when i turned it on but i don't have a notification for anything by on twitter but every time you go live on twitter i'm getting a notification on my phone so oh, like, no. <laughs> justin jackson i like, keeps popping up and like so it's it's awesome that i'm getting to finally talk to you man and i really appreciate everything that you're doing and really like your whole activity online inspiring other creatives and, and entrepreneurs so it's awesome man oh cool thanks i feel bad for you though because i've been going live a lot for like sometimes really stupid reasons uh, sometimes it's just to actually the, the fun part for me with live video is you know right now I'm working on the software product and I'm not a very good developer but going live tons of people show up in the comments and they're like helping me code they're helping me figure out how to overcome these obstacles Uh, as I'm learning uh, Ruby on Rails. And that is a superpower to have just people around the world who can take a look at what you're doing and then suggest, you know, in the comments or sometimes they'll call me on Skype Live and just work through something. Yeah. Even crazier is the fact that there's a bunch of people that are happy to watch. <laughs> just seems strange yeah. to me, but... <laughs> I think there is something about um, this kind of like live, doing things in public mm-hmm. is one. The transparency part, I think, is probably another. But I think people just like to help. 
And, you yeah. know, they're used to watching YouTube videos or listening to podcasts and maybe, yeah. you know, they, they listen, for example, to your show and they're like, they, they want to get in on the conversation, you know, yeah. like they want, they wish they could just click a button and dial in while, you know, while they're, the, the show is being recorded. Well, you can do that with live streams yeah. and uh, yeah, it's been, awesome. it's been fun. I, I, uh, I, when, when I'm really kind of going, I'm going live at least once or twice a week. And yeah, just, I, I think also when you're doing things yourself, a lot of times it gets lonely. So having yeah. other people show up is, is fun too. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's like, it's, it's, Awesome that you're using live in order to get help on coding and stuff like that, which is I, like one of the first times I hear about it, I guess. <laughs> about like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah I, think, I think the, the one thing I've been trying to get over lately is there's this, especially online, there's this temptation to want to always uh, pretend like you've, you've got it all together. Mm -hmm. And my whole, um, my whole point with going live was I, I just wanted to be able to kind of uh, push down my ego yeah. and say, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to programming, even though, and I think this was the hard part for me was I've been a nerd my whole life, loved computers, loved making things with computers. But this, this fact that I, I could never really program bugged me. And it was, uh, you know, what do you call that? It, it was something I felt bad about myself for, right? Uh, maybe embarrassed about. Maybe that's a good way to describe it. I'm embarrassed about it a bit. Kind of like saying that I can't really code applications. Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so instead of just like letting that kind of sit inside of me and being embarrassed or ashamed about it, I just decided to accept it and embrace it. And, and say, okay, I'm going to put myself out there, not as if I know everything, which in some ways I think is, is becoming a turnoff for folks, you know, when they, they follow people online, the, mm -hmm. the idea that everyone has their life perfectly together or that they are an absolute authority on every topic. I think that's exhausting for folks. Mm -hmm. And I think it's refreshing for people to say, oh, this is an opportunity where I can help teach Justin something or I can, you know, show him how to do something. Yeah. And I'm just not trying to pretend at all. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and yeah, it's been really, really fun um, to, awesome. to have just those experiences of figuring things out. And it's actually meaningfully making my life better because as we're this application, we're this podcast platform we're working on, as people help me, you know, with code, it's helping us build the product. And yeah. so uh, Transistor gets better, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that is super fun. And, and that's awesome. And just like to everybody who doesn't yet know you or what you're um, working on. So uh, Transistor FM is a podcasting platform, a new tra uh, podcasting platform that uh, you've been working at since 2018, right? With a partner. And this is something that you, you, you guys have been developing for a while. Now it's starting to get users and you have like traction. So it's already an ongoing platform. I have a couple questions to ask you about that. So we can actually, mm -hmm. we, can, we can start with that. Sure. 
it's one of the main things that you're doing right now. It's, it's your main focus, right? It's your main focus yeah. in business. Because I have so much to ask you about your content. We'll get to that soon. But, yeah. but in terms of like Transistor FM, so I'm, I'm using Simplecast just like right now. And so tell me, like, what makes Transistor FM great? And maybe why should I move? Sure. Well, I mean, I think one thing is when you're building something new, it's kind of like uh, well, building a product, a new product, but in an existing market. Right. It's kind of like starting a marathon, but starting an hour behind everyone else. <laughs> and so Simplecast and Libsyn and all of these other competitors, they've been running this race already. Mm-hmm. And when John and I started, John's my co-founder, mm-hmm. uh, when we started, we we're starting the race behind everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. And so our focus, we launched officially in August and we started working with each other in January of 2018. So it's been, I guess, uh, a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole focus has been to just get up to par with all of the other platforms. Yeah. And so there's a lot of similarities. Um, we do have about 38% of our customers right now are switching from mostly Simplecast and Libsyn. Mm-hmm. And the reason they switch are, right now are we offer um, multiple podcasts for one price. Yes. So our pricing starts at $19. Right. And so if you have two or three or four shows and you don't want to pay an additional cost per podcast, yeah. um, you can pay one price with us and, and have all your podcasts in one place. You, you bought me, you had me at that when I saw the pricing page and I'm like, I see the pricing, I'm like, oh my God, they've been charging me for multiple podcasts for mm-hmm. a long time. And I reached out to the support team. I'm like, guys, I had a, a, an online course back then, way back in the days. And I recorded a podcast and I just recorded it as a, as a secret podcast and they kept charging me. And I'm like, listen, I'm not, nobody's listening to this. It has like almost zero downloads, but still, I just want it up for anybody who bought the course to listen to, but they keep giving me 12 bucks a month for just like this. And so I I actually had a couple back and forth with them on that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a big issue for a lot of folks. Um, The other thing we've tried to do is, and I mean, this is where it gets more competitive, but we've tried to build a really nice embedded player. We've Mm -hmm. tried to build analytics that we think brands will care about. Mm-hmm. And so right at the top of our analytics, for example, we show you average listens per episode for the first seven days, the first 30 days, the first mm-hmm. 60 days, which is stuff uh, advertisers yeah. usually want. Uh, but in the future, uh, we're moving. So now we've, we've kind of hit parity with a lot of our competitors. Mm-hmm. And now what we're aiming to do is add, um, build stuff that, we feel like no one else has. And one of those things is going to be uh, dynamic content. So there's already dynamic ad insertion on some platforms. Mm-hmm. We want to take that idea and um, still allow people to do dynamic, dynamic ads if they wanted to. Oh man, but, that'll be a game changer. Game changer. But <laughs> yeah, but, and, but also apply it to content as well. So uh, an example for you might be you're launching a new course this yeah. month yeah, and you can go back into your back catalog and there is a placeholder in your audio and also a placeholder in all of your show notes. And so when you, you're ready to launch, you Stop just it. 
I'm moving. Come on. How do, how do, I, how do I migrate, man? Like, let's do it. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not, that's not built yet. So don't, don't move, don't move until, uh, you know, all the stuff you want is ready, but that, that's uh, one of the things uh, we'd like to I'm be a game changer. Game changer. So any, anybody who doesn't have a podcast yet, but some of you, I guess, might want to launch a podcast one day. So just understand, like, think about it this way. I have a podcast. I've been having, like, I have multiple podcasts. I have my podcast here in Israel. I have a podcast called the Hacking UI podcast, which still gets thousands of downloads uh, a month. And then mm-hmm. I still have old sponsors, like, you know, that, that don't care about the sponsorship anymore. That probably the, the, even like their coupon code doesn't even offer anything anymore. Still on my mm-hmm. old podcast and people get, keep uh, getting exposure to this old sponsorship while I have multiple online courses and all kinds of like offers I want to promote for my audience right now, which mm-hmm. is hot and it's relevant to them and can really, really help them. But now I, if I want to insert that, I want to have to go through each and every episode, download it to my computer, open it in an editing software, just reinsert, like take off the old sponsors, put in the new ads, and then just like re-upload it to the platform. And that's a long, like that's, it's, it's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. so that kind of like, that kind of sucks. And also we got that idea from, uh, Nathan Barry is one of my friends and he, um, he runs an email newsletter platform mm-hmm. and they were helping Tim Ferriss with a launch for, I think it was for Tribe of Mentors, his, mm-hmm. what, his book. Yeah. But Tim, of course, has a big podcast. And he, Tim hired somebody to manually edit all 300-some episodes of the uh-huh. show, put in this thing at the beginning to say, hey, Tribe of Mentors is out. You can go here, hmm. upload it. And then after the promotion was over, paid someone to re-edit, you know, return those episodes yeah. to their original form. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I'm excited. Like, again, it's not built yet. So don't, yeah. don't start, don't like, come <laughs> over and say, where is it? Yeah. But, but we yeah. are excited about, um, about it. Nice. And I think if folks are interested in starting, because uh, a lot of people are, I just wrote this guide um, on how to start a podcast. It's transistor.fm slash start. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that bugged me about, about guides is that they all, um, they all start with like how to choose a topic and other things, which is important. It's super important. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of people want to know is what gear do I buy? And, you know, how do I host it? How do I edit it? And so I just wanted to give folks those pillars. Yeah. And so if you're like stuck on what microphone to start with, um, you know, what editing software to use. Uh, also, I have a really good section on promoting a, your podcast, which is a place a lot of people have trouble with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's all there in that guide. And I, I think cool. if even if they don't choose Transistor, it's a good place to start if you're getting, getting going. Cool. So I'll definitely write it down. Talking about the guide that you wrote, you definitely write a lot and you have a lot of content. So mm-hmm. first of all, how do you manage to fit it all? Inside, like, so how about you start with telling us uh, all about your content? Because you have amazing content. I'll just say, whatever you do, whether it's your newsletter or, or blogs or podcasts or YouTube videos even, it's freaking great. Oh, um, great. Thank you. But, but can you lend, let us know exactly what you have going out, like what outlets do you have? Sure, yeah. So for some context, I started working in the tech industry in 2008. Uh, and I was kind of late to the game. Uh, I was 28 years old. I'd worked for nonprofits before that and um, decided I wanted to 
change careers. Got this call from a guy who was running a startup, said, come work with me. And so I started working with him in 2008. And at about that time, I started blogging. And if you go to my personal site, justinjackson.ca, and you click on articles, you can scroll to the very bottom and see what I started with. And it's terrible. <laughs> it's, I, you can tell, like, I just didn't have a direction. I was, I was writing about TV shows. I was writing about Apple. I was writing about, des, like, uh, urban design. And I didn't really have a direction. I didn't really know what I was doing. But I was... I was doing, I was, I was trying to write regularly. Then in 2012, I had just become a product manager at the software company. Mm-hmm. And I started meeting with this other guy in my city, Kyle Fox, and he was a new product manager too. And so we would get together for drinks and just talk about the challenges of being a product manager. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I eventually moved to a ski town and when, right when I moved, Kyle said, man, we should keep in touch. Why don't we do a podcast together? And that'll be a way of keeping in touch, but then we can also kind of do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And that show uh, became Product People. And it was when we started Product People that I started to figure out what I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we started it, we were thinking this is going to be about product management. We didn't want to have a podcast about product management. What we wanted to do was talk to all these interesting founders, independent bootstrapped founders that were building these really cool software companies that we'd seen. So folks like Jason Fried and David Hanemar Hansen and Keaton Shaw. And so we started reaching out to them and doing interviews with them. And it was about that time that we there's a little bit of an audience building that I started an email newsletter and started writing more on my blog about bootstrapping, about building products, about, um, you know, how to make your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is what kind of, uh, that's when I really started to f- kind of figure out what I wanted to write about and what people wanted to hear. Yeah. And I've, I, so yeah, I would say probably about 2012 is where I kind of figured it out. And I've basically written a newsletter every week since then. Um, and the focus of saying, you know, I'm going to talk to people about what I'm struggling with, about, you know, what I'm building right now. I'm going to share the numbers. I'm going to share, you know, everything. Yeah. That's been really helpful. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of been my approach. So kind of recently, I was, there's this kind of, um, you know, eventually any community starts to develop their own memes and tropes. And one in the bootstrap startup space is charge more. Mm-hmm. Charge more. You should double your rates. You should, you know. Yeah. And um, there's something about it that bugged me. And I wanted to dig into it. It just felt like we were, we were, it had become kind of a knee-jerk reaction that people would say to each other, you know? Hey, what are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing this thing. Oh, you should charge more. With, kind of, with <laughs> yeah. zero context, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so those are the kinds of things I've been writing about. And 
in, not just writing about, but engaging with people on. So I'll write yeah. and then I might do a live video where I talk to two of the people that disagreed with me yeah. and we'll have a, a discussion. And that whole process is how I write. It's how I think. It's how I, you know, uh, it's how I process things. Um, yeah. I, I, well, it's definitely helped me become a better writer because mm-hmm. just having to do that every week uh, is, is not right. easy. And, uh, but it always, at least I have a focus and kind of material like, oh, I'm wrestling with this. I wonder if other people are struggling with this too. Mm-hmm. Or it feels like we need to talk about this. This is a big issue that not enough folks are talking about. Let's, let's have it out. Like, let's confront this thing and really dig into our assumptions. And uh, I, what I'm trying to do less of, and maybe I don't know how good I'm doing on this, but what I'm trying to do less of is... Again, if you go through some of my old articles, some of them are very kind of, there's this idea of always trying to be an authority, mm-hmm. you know, and making kind of strong statements that are, you know, um, maybe aren't always honest, but also just, I think, again, I, I mentioned this before, I think when people are always kind of head sure about something and not willing to engage in conversation, not willing to have some curiosity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to write more like that these days. Nice. I'm also kind of like, so I opened my first newsletter also in 2012. So mm. since then, I've been also writing a weekly newsletter, but mine were most of the times curated links, kind of like I aggregated links that I, of articles mm. I read and then I like put them together in and send them out. So basically, I was like the curator guy. And that's what I did in my, also my international blog later on. It actually what, like we monetized that later on and stuff. So, but I, I always found it hard to write like long form newsletters, um, like mm-hmm. you do and like, like Paul Jarvis and like your guys are connected. I always admired that. So I, in the past two years or so, I've been doing that as well. Um, writing long form weekly newsletter to my audience. It's a struggle, man. I like, I actually, since then I've been sometimes missing some weeks just because I didn't have anything to write on or stuff. And I'm really also playing with this kind of like tone of um, how much of an authority should I be or should I talk about subjects that really matter, but I have an opinion about them. So should I say my opinion or ask the community? But if I ask the community, then it's, yeah, anyways, it's, it's mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I think, I think all of that is a struggle. What, what's helped me lately is, uh, well, actually, two things. First of all, I'll say one thing I've been doing lately is going back and finding pieces that I wrote four or five years ago and updating them and nice. sending those to my list. Nice. And so kind of breathing new life into huh. old stuff I've written. And what I'll do is I'll actually, I'll update the, the publish date. I'll say, you know, published on April 18th, 2019, today. Uh-huh. But then in the, at the bottom, I'll say it was originally published on this date, but it's been updated since then. Yeah. And that's been better because now I don't have to come up with this long form uh, yeah. idea from scratch. It's a lot easier to go in, at least for me, to go in and improve on something I've done in the past. Right. right. Uh, sometimes I'll also, I might take an old podcast or an old video I did. And I'll just drag it into Descript. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. And so it'll just automatically transcribe it. And then I'll take that. I'll copy it into Grammarly. 
which will then, you know, help me kind of sort out the grammar and make it work, start working it into something that would be readable. And that's helped too, like in terms of coming up with new material. Yeah. Although that's a, that's a pain. It's almost like writing it. Like I know that the editing process, you know, doing transcription is also kind of like, it's a bitch to, to do it right sometimes. So it takes a long time. Yeah. I, I've just found what's helpful about it is that if I've used the words before, like if there's a few, like if I already have something on the page, it's a lot easier for me to write. And so starting with something I said in audio or video form is, yeah, it's been helpful. Yeah. And in terms of tone, one thing that's been helpful is I've started to try to like read my writing as if I was talking to a friend and mm-hmm. Right away, you'll notice if your tone isn't right. If you sound too like full of yourself huh. or too, you know, um, uh, forceful or whatever. Because yeah. if you're thinking about talking, like having a coffee with a friend and they say, you know, anything like, um, I'm having a hard time, you know, writing every week. Uh, you wouldn't say, well, here's three things. You, should <laughs> you know, you'd yeah. be like, okay, well, here's some things that have helped me. Yeah. And here's some things that I've seen help other people. And already, you know, I can see, I can see my tone changing. And, um, and I've, I've tried to do this actually more with my talks as well. Like yeah. usually the first version of my talk is very kind of uh, authority, you know, I'm yeah. an authority and I'm put together. And when I put this filter over it and go, but how would I communicate this if this was a friend? Like, what would I tell them? And sometimes it's interesting to see how the bullet points change. Like sometimes I'm writing bullet points just because it seems like, oh, well, that, that would be a good thing to say. But then it's, but when I, I change and go, wait, wh- how would I tell this to a friend? I said, yeah. well, I wouldn't even tell them that bullet point. Like that bullet point's useless. <laughs> and there's actually this real action that I take that I haven't communicated that I should probably just reveal, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so th- those have been helpful. Again, I'm not applying it perfectly, but those are some things I'm working on. Um, and um, yeah, by the way, so, you know, we'll get to the family things later, but just I'm just dropping this here. You're not, if you're not watching this, you're not seeing uh, Justin, but Justin looks very young. But he has four kids, so he has like, and like you look younger than me, and uh, I only have two. So, anyways, dude, like um, you're awesome for that. But we'll talk about family. We we already said we'll talk about family and work later because I think it's like a topic not talked about, like not discussed enough in the entrepreneurial space. I agree. Yeah. Um, but I want to just go back to the content piece. So we said this. So we said you have a newsletter. You have mm-hmm. Facebook Live, or sorry, like you have live that you're doing basically on, uh, you're doing on Twitch and on uh, Periscope? Like what's... Yeah, yeah I use Restream, um, Restream? To, to basically, well, there's, a, there's live, yeah. um, what do you call it? Ecamm Live is the software right. I use to, to kind of broadcast the stream. Yep. And then Restream takes that stream and distributes it live oh. to... Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch, Periscope, all those things. And it works perfectly for you? Yeah. Yeah, it works really, really great. Uh, I have my whole setup at justinjackson.ca slash live streaming. just okay. shows you all the 
the stuff I use, but cool. it's what I like about it is uh, most of my audience is on Twitter. So it allows me to instantly broadcast to them. But I've noticed some people follow me on YouTube and some people follow me on Twitch. And so being able to go live and then uh, Restream has its own chat widget that allows me to see comments and live uh, chats from everybody. Wow. And so then I can interact with folks no matter where they are. If they're watching on Twitch, that's fine. If they're watching on YouTube, I can interact with them there. Um, yeah, so that's been, that's been really cool to, uh, to be able to do that. And then, of course, you've got the video on, well, the video stays on Twitch and stays on Periscope and stays yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I don't have as much of an audience on Facebook, but I, you can also broadcast there as well. Cool. I mean, I use Ecamm as well sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. I used to use like Ecamm, then I switched to, I, I tried everything, like BeLive, like I, Skype, like mm -hmm. through, through um, OBS and stuff like that. But I found like Zoom to be the most stable. I don't know why. And then mm -hmm. um, Ecamm, I had some lag issues with Ecamm. Like it totally, like for me, I interviewed Johnny Dumas and I had to interview mm -hmm. him via Skype. And Ecamm mm -hmm. just like, it just the, the transition came out so bad. So that's like one of my, you know, most important episodes in podcasts, but video wise. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think for, in terms of stability, I think zoom is probably the best. And if I really am nervous, I'll, I'll use, you know, Skype call recording or whatever. Mm. But, um, I mean, the challenge with live streaming is that it really chews up, uh, if, if you don't have a lot of video memory, it chews up a ton of your CPU kind of bandwidth. Yeah. And, you know, if you're like, I'm just using my MacBook Pro. Yeah, me too. It's just, it's just going to chew up a ton of resources. Um, and so it's kind of, uh, live streaming is not the best on Mac anyway. Um, just, it, it costs us so much to get like a good GPU and other things. But yeah, so far, uh, Ecamm is working good enough. And um, cool. Yeah, I, I did a, a live stream debate the other day with me and two other people, and um, it was mostly fine. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've done like every optimization you can do with your Mac. Like I've turned off transparencies, I've turned off. Oh, please teach me. Well, well, all of, how? All of the things. If you go to your accessibility uh, settings, yeah. And you go to display. Um, I've, I click reduce transparency, but it, I, it won't look as good <laughs> like on your, okay. on your machine. Like you're not going to get those cool transparent effects anymore. Uh -huh. um, and what else have I done? I've done a few other things uh, just from, I just like, you know, searched for like how to increase how you, uh, yeah. uh, the other thing actually that makes a huge difference is not using an external display because that mm -hmm. external display is going to hog a ton of resources as well and i close almost everything when i live stream so no dropbox no nothing it just i want to keep as much of that cpu for ecamm as i can Okay, so basically not using any other service on your, like as, mm -hmm. as less as you can. And turning off all the bells and whistles. So anything extra that you're using, 
any fancy effects that you have enabled, you just turn it all off. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how many, or like I've been using this computer for so long. I don't know <laughs> what kind of like bells and whistles I already have that I just don't know that are under the radar, but yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, these are great tips for live streaming because I know like whenever people, if, if you guys are listening to this right now and you ever want to do live streaming, I guess like these, just follow these tips because it's important to turn off everything that you just can because live streaming takes a lot of your CPU and your bandwidth mm -hmm. at the same time, yeah. like, it's yeah. like getting your computer live and, uh, and while you're trying to have a normal, uh, yeah. get your message across. Right. <laughs> I also don't use Wi-Fi, so I'm always hooked up via Ethernet cable yep. uh which makes a huge difference uh, every once in a while when you're doing stuff like live video stuff or uh, any kind of call recording just open up your activity monitor and then sort it by how much what percentage of cpu is being used and you'll see right away what things are kind of chewing up chewing up cpu resources and so just eliminating as many of the non-essential ones as you can is, yeah. uh, is kind of the trick. Yeah, I'm definitely writing notes here. <laughs> um, and and if, I'll, I'll show them. Got, if you've got money, I don't, I don't have enough money for this yet, but if you have money <laughs> and, you, and you, you really want to stay in the Mac ecosystem, you can get an eGPU. Have you heard of these? These are no. external GPUs that you can just plug into your machine and it kind of does the, it, it basically gives you the additional performance of, you know, if you had a, a really nice uh, NVIDIA card with a bunch of GPU, like huh. lots of GPU processing power, right? Wow. And so, yeah, you can plug these in. They're not cheap though, um, <laughs> but, right. they, but they, there, there are some for the Mac that you can use that um, would theoretically help you uh, kind of boost your machine. I'm actually thinking for my next machine, I might get like a, one of those new Mac minis and an eGPU, but I haven't huh. like read any reviews on that yet. That's, that's my next yeah. thing to investigate. Wow. <laughs> that's interesting. So, all right, cool. So I just like, all right, newsletters, blog, live streaming all over, and you got Twitch, Where, or is, is that live streaming? Is that connected to live streaming? Yeah, I'm always, I'm basically just live streaming on, yeah, on Twitch. Okay. I'd say like in terms of what really moves the needle for me, it's number one, my newsletter, number two, my blog, number three, Twitter, and then everything else is like kind of after that. And um, most of my audience in terms of social is hanging out on Twitter Twitter. And so that's where we're discussing ideas. That's where we're, you know, uh, having debates. Those are where the discussions are happening. Mm -hmm. And so I've tried to invest as much as I can in those three things. Um, I just did a big site redesign for justinjackson.ca. Uh, I don't know how long it's been now, six months or something. Okay. And the, the whole objective is I just wanted it to look like it went through a photocopier. Like I wanted it to feel like one of those old punk rock zines that I used to get at the record store, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm, I, I'm big on, and some people hate this. Like some people, I get emails all the time. People are like, your site is so ugly. And really? I just love it. I'm, I'm really into uh, 
I was into brutalism before mm-hmm. everyone was into brutalism. Right. And um, <laughs> I, I wanted this site to feel like kind of like the early web, but also like, you know, almost, I try to make all my pictures black and white. I just wanted to have it different. And I think for anybody listening, that's, there's an advantage sometimes to saying, okay, if everyone's got a site that's looks like, I don't know, um, like right now, a lot of companies copy intercoms design. Mm-hmm. So every like new software website looks like intercom with those illustrations and everything. Yeah. It's like if everybody's doing that and you're brand new or you don't have as much audience as intercom, how are you going to stand out? Like you're get, people are going to come to your site and go, okay, well, this just looks like there's nothing new here. Yeah. But if, you, if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to create a brand or get noticed, there has to be something that, you know, when people visit your website or see your stuff that makes them go, oh, wow, this is different. I haven't seen this before. And you can accomplish that all sorts of different ways. But uh, one way I'm trying to do that is just with this really kind of minimal, raw, kind of gritty design. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And one of the, yeah. To this day, the most popular thing I've ever written is this uh, essay called uh, "This Is a Web Page," and it's just you can you can go to justinjackson.ca/words.html, and this right. this web page that I that I wrote talks about how you know, we've be, we're really obsessed with fancy designs and, you know, all JavaScript, you know, frameworks that do all sorts of fancy magical things. But really the web, what I love about the web is that it's about words. Yeah. You know, I can publish, I published this page in this little city in British Columbia, Canada, and people around the world read it. And that to me is still crazy. And then, you know, it kind of blew up and then people started asking if they could translate it. I think it's been translated like 30 times. Um, Awesome. You know, Hebrew, Greek, German. And I I think there's something important about that too, is that you can, on the web, you can really get lost in the Chrome and the design and all the fancy bells and whistles, which is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. but the substance is in the words. The substance right. is in what you write or what you say. And yep. if you don't have any substance there, no one's going to pay attention. So you might as well just start with the words, right? Yeah. I'm, I think it's already right. And whenever people ask me, I want to you know, start a side hustle, I want to start even a podcast or something like that, then I say, great. So just start with writing and that's a basic skill that you need no matter what kind of creative entrepreneur you want to be you need to know how to write mm-hmm. because it's something you're going to do a lot you're going to do a lot of emails you're going to do a lot of like even if you have a podcast you need to write show notes like yeah. words are just everywhere and and we need to get familiar with them and if we want to communicate our message online it's just words at the end of the day yeah yeah and it's helpful in anything even if you're working a day job being able to articulate yourself and be able to communicate here's an idea and I love ideas. Like to me, ideas are, 
I, I think that's another thing that's kind of gotten downplayed in, especially in the startup world is like ideas are useless. You know, it's all about execution. That's mm-hmm. true. But a good idea, not all ideas are, are the same. You know, yeah. if, if someone sits down to me, s- sits down with me at the pub and they've got some good ideas, I'll talk to them forever. <laughs> but if, if I sit down and I'm like, so, you know, like, what have you been thinking about? What have you been reading? What, what's piquing your curiosity? And they're like, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, what sports <laughs> do you watch? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be interested. Yeah. And so what I like about writing is that it's a way of, way of articulating ideas it's a way of of exploring uh topics and you can do that you get you have this structure where you go okay i'm gonna i'm gonna think about this thing and then i'm gonna look at it from this perspective and then i'm gonna write about it from you know this kind of point of view and i think you're gonna trust on it yeah i mean sorry but i'm just saying like curiosity yeah right i mean that's exactly that yeah, yeah, be curious about stuff. It doesn't have to be curious in all only about new things. It can be curious about things that have already been presented. You know, a truism that everyone says, but maybe no one has really dug into the fact that like is that even true? Yeah. Everyone says this thing or maybe Gary Vaynerchuk said it once, but like dig into that. Ask yourself, do I agree with that? Do I be- do I believe that's true? And if you don't believe that's true, that's fine. That's, that's what makes human beings so f- interesting is to say, to be able to articulate, well, I don't think that's true and not in a downer like jerk way, but to be able to say, okay, well, I don't think that's true. And here are the reasons why. And to kind of form uh, an argument or a, you know, some points about your point of view Man, that's what makes life interesting. That's what I want to read. That's what I want. I want to listen to, and I've I've been listening to a lot of podcasts uh, since starting Transistor. Like I I listen to tons of new shows. Yeah, and I would say the biggest mistake I I see people people making is that they just don't have anything new or interesting to say, and that's if. If you don't have anything new or interesting to say, like if you're just echoing what everyone else is saying, why would I listen to you? Why don't I just listen to the originator, right? Yeah, like if, right. if, if you're going to be, um, you know, a lot of my early writing was just me copying Jason Freed from 37 yeah. Signals because yeah. I love his writing. I love the way he thinks. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really good. But, but why, would you read, why would you read my impression of Jason Freed? Yeah. I just read Jason Freed. He's way better, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think it takes time to cultivate this. And I, I think most of us do start by imitating other people. And there's nothing wrong with that exactly. But if you really want to make an impact, you have to do some thinking for yourself. You have to have some original thoughts. You can take something someone else has said and go, oh, you know, this is interesting, but I'm going to take this you know, even 10 more miles down the road. Like I'm going to explore, I'm going to tease this apart. I'm going to pull this apart and yeah. really dig into it. That's interesting. And the, you know, whether you're writing words or you're speaking words in a podcast or you're doing video, at the end of the day, if you want there to be an audience, it has to be engaging. Yep. And 
people generally, the only way to kind of uh, have a, a part of that game is to be first, right? So like Kotke, he, was, he had one of the first blogs. People are going to read Kotke forever because he was just first. <laughs> and, you know, maybe his stuff isn't super great lately. I don't know. I haven't read him in a while, but uh, just being first helps a lot. You, have, you could be different, which is maybe an angle I take quite a bit, or you can be the best. So like if you come in and you're just better than anybody, everybody else that already exists, um, then you can, you can kind of carve out some space for you. I'd say better is the hardest one to do because it, you really have to bring it, you know? Like yeah. if you're going to start the next, I don't know, if you're going to start the next daily news podcast or the next vlog, the next daily vlog. Yeah. Wow. Are you, you are really going to have to be better than people who have been running that marathon for a long time. Right. And, and it's skills, right? You, you develop the skills. So if you do that for like two years, you get so much better. So there's like almost no chance of you being better than those people. No that's chance. right. That's right. But if you're different, if you're courageous in ways that no one else is being courageous, I think then you have a chance. Or yeah. if you're authentic in a way, like my buddy Levi Allen, he's a, a filmmaker, vlogger. Mm -hmm. And I think what drew people to him is he was just authentic. He wasn't trying to be something he wasn't. And so he was making these adventure films and that resonated with people because it just felt honest it was it was different because it was honest yep um and as opposed to you know the thousands of folks starting travel blogs and going hey you know we're we're gonna live in a van uh and travel around the world and you know it, it there were so many of those shows already but yep. he was being authentically himself and yeah i think that really helped um it also helped that he was willing to try things Right. Like, yeah. I think if, if you're just sitting in your office all day trying to come up with new ideas, it's going to be hard at the, totally. to, to really get new ideas. And actually, I see you doing this. You're always like out meeting people, going to conferences, going to events and stuff. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to get out of your office and yeah. do something, interact with people, um, try things, do things that scare you, do things that make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That's where you kind of get the, the, the experiences that you can turn into good blog posts, good newsletters, good, you know, everything else. Yo, yo, what's up, creativepreneurs? So if you listened up until now, and I just want to drop in and let you know that the new batch of the Creativepreneur Accelerator is now open for enrollment. Now, that is to when this episode came out and it's only for a limited time um, just because we have limited seats available in the accelerator itself. So if you are interested in this six month program where I will mentor you and a group of like-minded creative entrepreneurs in order for you guys to just scale up your business and also build your tribe, then this is perfect for you and I would love to talk to you. We have a landing page. It's on creativepreneuraccelerator.com or you can also find it in the show notes, probably in the Facebook group of Creativepreneur. 
customers. If you find this relevant for you, just go to the landing page, then you can book an enrollment call with me through that landing page and we can just hit it off and kind of like, I would love to hear about what your vision for yourself is. Where do you want to see yourself? How can I help you grow your business um, and take your creative skills in order to build a tribe and multiple revenue streams? I'm very excited about this because I've seen what it does to others and I know I can help you if you are a creative and you have a service-based business and you want to grow a tribe of your own, produce content and create a brand for yourself by having an online presence where you also educate others based on your experience, this is perfect for you. It's exactly what I've done and generated obviously a six-figure business off of this, multiple six-figure business just off of this in less than a year and a half. So I can definitely help you get there as well. So again, creativepreneuraccelerator.com, book the enrollment call, and we will talk. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, I think that we're writing our own story. So anyways, like, you know, people are connected to stories and, you know, that's where we come from, right? We're like, we used to sit around campfires and just hear stories. And that's what we're, we still are those kind of people. And we are mm-hmm. attracted to interesting stories. And we are the creators of our own story. So yeah, of course, like get out there, go to conferences, people have experiences, see the world, travel the world. Obviously, you know, uh, travel bloggers are so successful on Instagram and such because mm-hmm. they are having experiences that we don't when we sit at our home, obviously. Mm-hmm. And if you have a mm-hmm. different life than anybody else, just show your life and mm-hmm. show your experiences. And I think that that is one thing that makes a story very interesting. But another thing is, by the way, conflicts, because we are all mm-hmm. human beings and we have conflicts, right? So Yeah, exactly. Share the conflicts you have with yourself. Share yeah. the conflicts you have with other people. Share, yeah, I think, I think that the hiding struggle, which is what I want to do intuitively, like intuitively, I don't want to share any struggle. Right. Um, we don't want to share and- our weaknesses. Yeah, we don't want to share our weaknesses, yeah. Especially in a perfect but, Instagram world. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the things, especially the things I've been writing lately, the, the stuff that's really resonated is the, is the stuff that is more, yeah, sharing some struggles, being transparent. Yeah. And uh, I think we're almost in a new, I think in the old days, people wanted their rock stars to be rock stars and they just wanted the mystique. But now it's almost like that's changed. We, we don't want to see the rock stars as rock stars anymore. We want to see them as human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now all of the, you know, celebrities are starting two-hour sit-down podcasts where they, they, they kind of uh, re- remove the veil from their life, right? And we start to see them as human beings. Right. And people seem to be digging it. And yeah. I think there's something to that of, yeah, let's share the real life stuff too. And I think like right now, just like mentioning what we're talking about here is like, what is your message to the world when you are an entrepreneur and you want to get your message across? It doesn't matter whether you do YouTube videos or vlogs or, um, or, or podcasts or write your newsletter or blog posts or posts on Facebook, on Twitter, who cares? Um, but I think like finding your voice, I think what you said before, Justin, is like, just like be authentically yourself is very important. I also want to touch on something like, what is your take on, I think that if you're authentically yourself, most people in the world have a negative mindset most of the time. And therefore they will just rant all day. And if we want to get negativity, we can go watch in the news. We don't need that on, on the internet. So that's why like, I think I'm, I'm always trying to be 
like share maybe some of my struggles, but also trying to better my mindset to not be so negative. And I think that everybody should improve their mindset not to be so negative and display mm-hmm. that on Instagram. I mean, I don't care people who are constantly kind of like cheerful and showing their struggles, but, you know, saying, okay, it will be okay. Like that's my, you know, I'm taking on it. Mm-hmm. But I do have problems with people that are bringing everybody down because, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is hard because... If you're authentically the, you and you're a pessimist, then you're, yeah, you don't want to on, in, on our Instagram. <laughs> or if you're just going through a hard time. It's funny because I was going through a really hard time, especially 2017 and a lot of 2018. And I, I wrote about it quite a bit. I said, you know, I'm, I'm going through a really tough time. Hmm. And the, there were some folks that were like, man, you're kind of bringing us down. <laughs> and, um, and I, I think that's actually a fair criticism because, you know, you don't want to be a bummer. But on the other hand, there were a few people that were like, man, it is just so good to know that someone else is going through some hard times too. Yeah. And so I think there is a tension between those two things and a balance between those two things. And, you know, sometimes maybe you just need to make sure that your message matches the medium. Mm-hmm. Like Instagram, people are going there because they want to feel better, right? They come home from a hard day of work and they, they're scrolling through pictures because they want to be transported to another place. And that's fine. Like we need some escapes every once in a while. And so maybe that's not the best place to, you know, uh, talk about, something that's kind of a bummer yeah but on my blog uh, i've got a lot of words to express kind of what's going on i can give a lot of context and people can read it or they don't have to read it they have to kind of go there to to get it right and i think i think in that context it it's easier to express you know, what's really going on in a, in a more honest way. I think podcasts are like this too. Um, some of my favorite shows are when people I respect are, it's, it's a kind of, it's almost, uh, uh, maybe this is wrong for me to like this, but I, it, it's reassuring to hear other people who have struggles. Yeah. And so when somebody I respect, you know, has a bit of a breakdown on, on a podcast and goes, oh, man, I'm just going through a hard time and this is what's happening and there's no like happy ending to this right now it just sucks i there's something about that that is like oh thank god i'm not the only person that feels this way you know a human being (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. there's a human being there so i mean i'm naturally a very cheery person i know that that's my natural disposition Mm -hmm. but i don't want to ignore the parts of my life that are uh harder and Um, I know like when I was talking about depression and going to therapy and all these other things, um, I had tons of people reach out to me and go, thanks so much for talking about that. You know, and they they started going to therapy because I was able to remove some of that friction, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's okay for you to go to therapy. It's also okay for you to go to therapy, even if there's nothing wrong. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's some value to that too. There's value to both. There's value to being happy in the happy places, you know, in Instagram and other places like that. And also being real 
in the, the places where you have this kind of long form content like a blog or a podcast? Yeah, I think... I think it's it's inter- definitely interesting, definitely um, a game. I guess if you're mostly like inspiring people and stuff and then you have a hard time and you share it. So those are kind of mm-hmm. like, again, the conflicts in the story which create the interest. So it's kind of like the contrast, like in, in design as well, you have contrast. So it's kind of like, yeah, right. I guess. Yeah, I, I do agree that people won't follow somebody who's constantly a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and so like if you're always negative and you're always complaining, you know, people don't want that. Yeah. I have, I have like, um, I, there's so many stuff out there that are, that are just like shout, like in a way there, it's kind of like playing funny on the negativity side, but it's negativity. So we have a group here in Israel and it's called malfunctioning father. Um, okay. that's, what, that's what it's called. And it's funny yeah. because it's like a group of fathers that they call themselves the malfunctioning father. Um, yeah. But then they have a sticker called, it says malfunctioning father and people have it on their cars. So you start seeing yeah. cars in the road with a sticker saying malfunctioning father. I'm like, dude, that's like, it, it might be funny, but it, it's kind of negative. I, I'm not a malfunctioning father. I'm a fucking cheerful father. I'm happy to be a father. I'm not yeah. going around saying, oh, bummer, the kids are in a break today. Like, no, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm like saying, no, these are my kids. I made a decision to have kids. I want to enjoy life with my kids. Kind of. So yeah. We need more, yeah. more of that yeah. in our lives. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I, I think people that get stuck in that, I've been stuck in that feeling of, of being in kind of a negative rut and then getting cynical. <laughs> and I think there, there's something very attractive about that when you're not feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it just feels good to be like, yeah, whatever fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to be this kind of uh, haggard, negative person. And I mean, people have all sorts of reasons for being in that place. And so it, there's no, there's no kind of like quick fix way to get out of it. But for me, what I realized is that a lot of that internal dialogue of being cynical, and to be honest, like a lot of it for me was looking at young, younger people that were more successful than me. Outwardly, I was just like, I was trying to project, I'm better than them, you know, with kind of a sneer. Like, those young designers, those young whippersnappers, those young <laughs> startup kids, whatever, you know? And that, that was outwardly, I was trying to make it look like I was better than them. But inwardly, I was really insecure and jealous. Yeah. And you know, they would, they, they, and some of these people were my friends, you know, and they would come to me and go, hey, Justin, you know, maybe you should think about, um, you know, uh, having a regular schedule. I'd be like, fuck you. I don't want to have a regular schedule, you know, just being a downer. Yeah. And it, it took me a while to wake up. But, you know, until, I think the lie we tell ourselves when we get into those negative ruts um, is that, you know, all this talk about good habits isn't going to change me, right? Nothing's going to help me. But the truth is, is that good habits do really help you. Right. And the, the, the things we kind of mock when we're in, in a bad place are often the things that are really going to help us. And so for, to climb out of that, I had to go, okay, this is, this thinking I have, even though 
there's part of me that like wants to stay in this negative rut. It's not helping me. And the only way to get out of this is to start cultivating good habits bit by bit. So I'm just like right now, I just want to uh, bring this topic up um, and I'm going to sh- link to it in the, share in, in the show notes. So like talking about habits and talking about mindset and stuff like that, there's an amazing talk on YouTube about like, do you know Jim Rohn? Jim Rohn. Yeah, yeah. Jim Rohn. Yeah, sorry. So um, the amazing, amazing talk. My friend sent, sent it to me just like a week ago. So I apparently did not know Jim Rohn. I heard the name, but I never like heard anything. But this it's a, it's a two hour lecture of Jim Rohn and yeah. he talks about toxic attitude and your way of building habits to create a success in your life. And it's a beautiful, beautiful talk. So I'll just, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it's, I think it's super relevant to what we're talking about here because it's kind of like finding the balance between when are you criticizing, like mm-hmm. when, when can you be, when can you give critique to your environment, to your friends, to your s- surroundings and say, mm-hmm these things are bringing me down in regards to being negative about stuff and actually taking action in your own life to be positive and make change happen in your life. So it's kind of like that balance is so key. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's a super important topic that we brought up. So we talked about like, (laughs) we talked about our voices, content creators, we talked about mindset. And I want to go back to just the comment before we go to the family. I know we're like over time and we should definitely wrap it up soon. But I want to... Uh, go back to the content for a second. So I, I just want to say, so we, you dropped a few things when we talked about your content, because what you said is this, you said newsletter, number one, blog, number two, Twitter, number three, you did talk about your live streaming, but you did not mention podcasting and another big, huge thing that you have going on, which is YouTube. And yeah. um, I want to talk to you about that because listen, man, I, and by the way, Instagram, I just, put it out there mm-hmm. again. You have so much content going on. And I, I personally also try to have my YouTube updated, my Instagram, my, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like I have my podcast, I have a newsletter, two weekly newsletters. I have two blogs. I'm trying to update it all, but it's so hard. So like, how do you do it all? What's your like? Action? Yeah. How could I forget podcasting? That's a terrible, that's a <laughs> terrible misstep on my part. Um, you know, one reason it's hard to figure this stuff out is because there's often one thing feeds into the other. Mm-hmm. So sometimes Twitter and live streaming is like a comedian who goes to a local comedy club just to work out material. Mm-hmm. I'm just putting little bits out there and seeing what resonates. And um, it might take years of putting little bits out there before I find something that really kind of resonated that I want to talk more about. And I might even be dropping little little hints as I go along. You know, oh, I'm going to talk a little bit about this in this post or a little bit of, about this on this podcast. Once I feel like there's enough pieces here kind of swimming around in my brain I need to bring this all together in one place. That's when I'll sit down and write it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll write it down. Often, the next step is for me to turn that blog post into a podcast. Mm -hmm. So if I've just done all this thinking and research about, you know, pricing, well, now I can, you know, 
turn on my microphone and use the blog post as an outline to, um, as an outline. Yeah. yeah. And th that's for, I have a solo podcast um, where that's what I do. I'll just basically take things I've written and I'll just record that using the blog post as an outline. Yeah. So it really feeds into each other. And then the main show I do right now with my co-founder, uh, that really works because it's the one chance for us to touch base every week. And so we know we need to get an episode out on Tuesday. Let's do a call. And we recently changed the format and I really like it. If you have a regular co-founder, I think we, we kind of have it. It's like almost like we're passing the ball from one person to the other. So I've got the ball and I'm going to talk about something I'm thinking about or wrestling with or working on. And John is going to listen and then he might respond to what I've said. Oh, that's interesting. Have you thought about this? Yeah, you got to work on this. And then I'll pass the ball to him. And then he talks about something he's been wrestling with, something he's been working on, something he's been thinking about. And that format's great because you don't even need to do very much preparation. You just have to have, okay, what do I want to kind of ask John about or get his opinion on or get some feedback on or just get out of my system? you know? And that, yeah, that show format's been really great. So I think all of these things kind of work together. I, I don't have like a content calendar. Um, I just know every week I need to write a new blog post. That blog post will be sent to my newsletter and the... Oh, okay. So that, that feeds the newsletter basically? That's right. Yeah. So whatever I'm writing for my blog is what I send to my newsletter. And... A week after? Um, like or uh i usually actually do it right away i oh, okay same week same week yeah okay. the, the the benefit if you're on my newsletter is that um i'll send it to you and then you can reply and we can have a discussion about it mm -hmm. but yeah that's kind of how it works and i've really tried to simplify as much of that as i can and so like this week for example i might just send out to my newsletter I might just send out this live stream I did on pricing because it was great. I might, maybe I'll transcribe it or something, but um, that's, that's a good kind of um, touchstone for people to kind of, to follow up with the previous week's post on pricing. Um, but yeah, I think there, I think folks sometimes miss the opportunities for one piece of content to become something else. Mm -hmm. And so if you've already podcasted about it, maybe you can turn that into a, a blog post. If you've tweeted about it repeatedly, one of my, I honestly do this search all the time in Twitter. You go up to the search bar and I'll just type from colon M I Justin. That's my Twitter handle. And then I'll just like type in like pricing. And then I'll see all of the tweets that I've tweeted with the word pricing in it. And it's super interesting. It goes back to, you know, 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and I can see my evolution of thinking on that topic. And that becomes a great outline for uh, a blog post, right? I don't have to rack my brain for a place to start. So, um, and I, I mean, I, I could do that with anything, right? I could, I could say. So Twitter, especially for me is, that's where I'm testing out bits. That's where I'm kind of working on, working on the material. 
And then once it kind of feels more, it's starting to get some form, I bring that over to my blog. Or sometimes I'll start with a podcast and I'll just be like, okay, I'm just going to record this free form and see what happens and then turn that into a blog. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's very smart. And your YouTube, like is it also same, same thing, feeds off the mm-hmm. content from your blog and stuff? Yeah, and, and recently what's helped me with YouTube is just, I just go live more. And I don't think on YouTube, I, I don't think it's as good for building up a big following. I think if you really want to build a lot of subscribers on YouTube, you need to be making kind of edited, crafted videos. Right. But the, for me, initially I was really into YouTube. I was like, this is great. I'm growing so fast. But I realized it was just folks coming from my newsletter, which has like 10,000 people or coming from Twitter, which has whatever it is. And it was growing fast just because it was just my existing audience. And it's not bad. It's pretty good. No, it's not. It's not bad, but it, it didn't like add anything to my life in terms of like, it wasn't like I was reaching a whole new group of people. I was just basically speaking to the same people. And so, uh, yeah, I've got like just over 3,000 subscribers right now. Mm-hmm. And which is great. So, I mean, which is great. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I think it is great. But now I'm just like, if you look at my, the videos I have there, almost all of the recent ones are me going live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me, I have a, a section called dumb programming questions, which is just me trying to figure out programming. And it's just me live streaming that. And then, you know, if something um, comes up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just go live and talk about pricing or whatever, um, that, that's become easier because then I don't have to do a bunch of editing. Uh, you know, I was, I was really trying to like, for a while, I was trying to, you know, copy all these vlog elements that I kept seeing. And it, it, for me, that was just too much. And so yeah. a sustainable way for me to still put out video stuff is yeah. just live streaming. So that's what I'm struggling with. And maybe like, I guess it's one of the things that I always say to everybody who's starting out, I'm like, remove all distractions, remove mm-hmm. all barriers. If you have like, back then I wanted to open a second podcast uh, for major Ali audience when I already had the international podcast. And I was like, I don't have time. And I don't mm-hmm. have like, um, but then I said, okay, I'm going to remove all barriers. So I'll just record it while I'm walking my dog every night. And I just mm-hmm. called the, the podcast, Walk the Dog. And mm-hmm. um, while I was walking the dog, I interviewed someone from the design industry here in Israel on a phone call, recorded it. So it had noise of cars going and it wasn't the best audio, but it was a great content uh, on a podcast and it became one of Israel's most popular podcasts best, best back then. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's still actually on some apps. It's on new and noteworthy somehow still and it's not even active. No way. Like, yeah, it's not <laughs> even active for over a year. But uh, it's crazy. So it's like, remove all distractions and just make great content. But then again, I mean, I'm on places like YouTube, I'm, I'm really stuck with like all my, f- like I have friends um, from Pat Flynn's mastermind and stuff like people are creating amazing like content. I have my friend, uh, Ron Segal. Do you know Ron Segal Flux by any chance? No. He's, he's like an amazing designer and he creates mm-hmm. this like daily vlogs, daily vlogs. He every day edits a vlog and it's so amazing. He, he has, I think like over 70K or whatever, like subscribers now, like cr- pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And I'm looking at him and he's a, he's a good friend of mine. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could do it. Like every day edit them. Um, but I guess, again, like everything, you have to understand what you're doing. So 
Um, you mm-hmm. can be everywhere and be amazing at every single platform. So either like, yeah, right. Yeah. And you, yeah, you got to kind of pick your, your spot. Right. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, for me, like I said, there's a video on my channel where I was like, so excited about YouTube. I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna invest a ton in this. Yeah. But then as time went along, I realized, oh, this just doesn't have the payback I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the constant in my life has been uh, like uh, when, I, when I wrote a book called Marketing for Developers mm-hmm. and I turned it into a course, I, I think something like 75% of the customers came from my podcast. And so I know it, that works for the people I'm trying to engage with. And so if that works, I should keep doing that. I, the, and I've seen it work since 2012, right? Yeah. And YouTube, sure, that there was some benefits to it, but not in the same way as doing this podcast. Now, maybe, I mean, maybe if I just stuck, stuck with YouTube and, you know, just worked really hard at it, it would, maybe it would have a similar effect. But for me, I was like, no, I think podcasting and writing are just better and I'll stick with those. And I still, I'm not opposed to video. I still make video all the time, but I think you you do sometimes need to, there's a a time for exploration where you try different things and, but then there's also a time for, okay, I'm going to pare this down and really focus on what gets, you know, the 20% that gets me that the 80% right. results. Yeah. And um, I've had a hard time with that. It's been hard to get, let, I like to start a lot of things. Yeah. And like all of us, like creative, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Being creative. But, but this year it's been interesting just um, focusing on Transistor. About 80% of my time now is just Transistor. And nice. the, there is some calm that comes from just being able to focus on one thing in one direction. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, maybe it's not right for every phase of life, but there does come a time, I think, where you have to go, okay, I'm just going to focus on the one thing that's giving me most of the results or the one thing that I think in the future could give me more of what I want, right? Yeah. Like right now, Transistor's not paying my bills, mm-hmm. but I have this feeling of, I think the momentum is good and this will give me more of what I want in the future. Uh, for example, like one thing I didn't like about running online courses is that it's a very launch-centric business. You're yeah. mm-hmm. always really to make significant revenue you have to do a launch Mm -hmm. and launches are exhausting (laughs) and if you don't get the results you're hoping for it can be really debilitating or in my case I got depressed and then it was just like how am I going to do this I just don't have the mental emotional capacity to do this right and so Uh, that sorry in my life now again there's I've I have friends that are doing really great in that space and you know it's it's working for them but for me i was like i need to i think i need to transition out and 
I like building products. I like building software products. And I was like, I, I think I want to get back to software and really focus on one thing that has monthly recurring revenue. And I'm just going to invest in that. Yeah. And for me, that's been a great, a great move. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's right for everybody, but you kind of want to go after what's going to get you more of what you want. And at the time, I was like, man, this course business is really not giving me more of what I want anymore. It's just kind of a grind. And maybe there is, um, again, you don't want to switch all the time either, but sometimes you do need to make a switch and kind of pare things down. Yeah. No, I think I'm re- I can really relate to what you're saying uh, in terms of, well, I'm kind of like new in the online course space, I guess. Like I launched online courses. I think my first online course was like uh, two years ago or so. Mm-hmm. But my really successful online courses have started like in 2018 only. So, mm-hmm. but since then, like, you know, launching is very exhausting. I, I know that like one of the best things that I, I just love hitting a button or sending an email and then then seeing money coming in. I just love that. I just, it's, it's a rush that you can't get anywhere in a way, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm also, I come from the startup world. So me, like I'm always thinking in my mind, I'm like, I wonder when's going to be the time that I'm going to work on software again, like, or, you know, on the product again, Uh, when, when, when am I going to, you know, get back in the wagon or like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. something that, you know, it's in my mind, in the back of my head. And I'm saying, okay, like right now I'm like in the influencer space, launching online courses, having masterminds and stuff like that. And I love it. I love helping people. I'm yeah. probably not going to stop like you are right now, but then I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder when's going to be the time where I'm working on some kind of uh, product that also is going to help those people. So it's kind of like, yeah. So I guess you yeah. found the right opportunity, um, which connects with what you love doing, podcasting yeah. and um, yeah. getting messages across to people. And now you can, uh, by building a platform for it, then you're building the platform so people can do that. Um, and that, yeah. that is a massive impact. You're not, it's not like you're just mm-hmm. working on some marketing startup or whatever. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. Again, I, I think for different, you know, different stages of life, it's good to invest in, in different things. And I mean, I, I have friends who do online courses and it is giving them all of the progress they want in their life. And, you know, they're also in a, a market. This is one thing actually I wish I knew before I had launched any business is that the most important decision you make is actually the market you choose. Mm-hmm. So the market you choose has an outsized impact on everything else. It impacts how much, how fast you're going to grow, how easy it is to get customers, all of those things. So as an example, uh, my friend Adam Wathen has a course for PHP programmers called Refactoring to Collections. Right. And he, you know, had called me up and asked me for some advice on launching it. And I gave him some advice. And, you know, I think the marketing for developers launch when I first did it, it did like $30,000 in the first month or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like blown away by that. I was like, this is crazy. Nice. Adam Wathen, I think he did 100000 in his first wow. launch. And <laughs> uh, it ha- had nothing to do with the quality of the product or the anything else. I mean, it was a quality product, but I'm just saying uh, the quality is roughly the same, but the difference... And the marketing strategy was roughly the same. The difference is that 
there are maybe millions of PHP developers that want to learn how to refactor. Mm-hmm. But there's a much smaller group of developers that are interested in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the, 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 you know, the market you choose kind of decides, it, it's going to decide how fast you grow and what the limits are to growth. And so I think that was affecting me too. It's just like this market I've chosen, I, I don't, I can't grow anymore. You know, I, I, I spent a couple of years trying to turn a uh, $150,000 business into a $250,000 business. And sometimes the market you've chosen just there's no room for you to grow any more than what you have. It just, yeah. there's not enough people. And so um, yeah. another reason I might be enjoying the podcasting market so much is that it's growing a lot and it's growing fast. Yeah. And so it, it feels a lot different than, you know, um, me having to really work hard just to get one more notch up before. Whereas, you know, this feels like, there's a lot of momentum now it could stop yeah. any time, right? It can, you, yeah. you might, we might hit the limits of kind of the fast growth and it'll slow down, but it does feel different. And now I, having seen friends launch courses and other things I've seen, wow, the market you choose really impacts what kind of, um, really affects what kind of impact you'll have. Yeah. It's definitely that. I mean, and um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's great that you're doing software again um, and Gallic, find your, find, find your niche. Um, and listen, like, I want to, I just want to, I want to move on to the next topic just because um, we're so much over time. So I'm really, first of all, thank you so much for your time man. really appreciate yeah. it. Um, really enjoying this conversation. And I hope everybody here listening to this extra long episode will is also enjoying the conversation <laughs> because we're hitting on so many different, like amazing, I think like very, very relevant topics to the audience. So really appreciate it, man. All right. Just like very, try to keep it short. I know that like mm-hmm. it's, it's the same topic in a way, but what's mm-hmm. your process for writing? Do you have any habits around writing a, a weekly on a, on a weekly basis, like a blog post? Because for me, it can take like seven, eight hours and I'm so working like on very important business stuff so i'm like mm-hmm. content is kind of like it's free but it's what's giving me the brand that brings in money but at the end of the day it's not making money so where i'm working on content or sales so you must mm-hmm. have a structure for that right yeah i, I think uh, the big thing is i start with tweets again and then i expand from there so if the topic is you know maybe charge more isn't the right advice I go, okay, let's start with a story and then let's go into the first point. What's the first point? Well, let's dig into what affects the things that affect pricing. And then I'm going to list those things out. So I, I start with just trying to write as much as I can. I write an outline um, and I'll be bringing in a lot of outside stuff. So if you read, most of my blog posts have tons of quotes in them. Mm-hmm. because I've been collecting these little snippets from other people. Uh, I use this service called BotMarker where you, f- right. you can send a tweet as a direct message to BotMarker and it will huh. save those tweets for you. And I'll just sometimes scroll through those tweets and hmm. just look at them and go, okay, yeah, here's a trend. Here's some things I want to pick up on. Here's nice. some you know, quotes I want to do. 
so that's basically my process. And I mean, sometimes it takes me a long time. Like sometimes I, I'm staying up way too late on a Friday night because the newsletter goes out on Saturday. But the more I've talked about it beforehand really helps. So I, I try to, if I'm exploring a topic, I try to tweet about it. I try to you know, mention it in my podcast. I try to wrestle with it in public. And then I write about it. So basically, like, you're starting to experiment with different topics. And then, like, do you have a list of topics that you already finished experimenting with and are in your pipeline? Or do you just, like, every time you just pick a topic that you say, oh, this seems like uh, it's good yeah. enough now? It's always, like, this week, what do I care about the most? Got it. And okay. what's helpful about that is that it's just easier to write. If I have to pick up a list that, you know, something that was interesting three months ago, it's a lot harder for me. Yeah. Um, but if I can go, what's really pushing my buttons right now? That's what I want to write about it. Cause it's, it feels the most like now I can get a, a little bit ahead. Like I might be able to get two or three weeks ahead, but, um, as in like, I'll write something and then wait two weeks to publish it and I'll just be kind of polishing it if I have time. But most of the time it's like, you know, in the last week or two or three, what is the thing that matters the most to me right now? Got it. Awesome. And you, do you have like, do you say like Thursdays are to just sit down and write it or it's just like whatever day comes? Yeah. The, al- the alarm bells start to go off in my head around Thursday. If I don't have anything started, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Monday, you know, when I do it the best, I'll start something on Monday and then I'll add to it every day. And then usually Thursday, Friday is where I really start to dig in and and finish things. But it it becomes a lot easier if I've started something. Yeah. The other thing I'll do is inside the, I run an online community called Mega Maker and inside that Slack, I'll, start posting initial drafts and getting people's feedback right away. So it's a lot easier to kind of communicate an idea and then get people to kind of push back on it early Yeah. because if you push back on it on Friday, the day before I have to publish, I'm pissed because it means I have to rework everything. So I try to get, I try to get people pushing back on my ideas as early as I can so I can, Basically, that informs the next little bit of writing, right? So yeah. here's the idea. Oh, I anticipate the, the pushback. So I'm going to write, you know, a response to that in yeah. the piece. Nice. I, I think it's a great idea. And also, um, I just recently started um, um, a WhatsApp group for paying clients of my online courses. And people are asking questions there. And I found it really easy to just pick up the phone and just like give them like videos. I answer the question. And then when I answer with video, now I can download the videos and upload them to a directory. But mm-hmm. also, it's giving me now an idea for what to write about on the weekly newsletters. So yeah. what you're saying, it makes totally sense to kind of like test it with your current customers in a way as well, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, those are the totally. people that actually care about what you write. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good idea. All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. And um, so last and like final topic, although we could probably talk forever, man. So uh, <laughs> really enjoying this conversation. But we said we'll talk about family and business. And I think yeah. it's such an important topic and you have four kids i only have two so please mm-hmm. teach your rookie how to do it like i don't <laughs> like i'm I, i'm always constantly um trying to find right like the time to 
when's the time to be with my kids and my wife? And I think I'm pretty much doing a good job, but still, what, what are your secrets? Uh, well, first, I have been horrible at it in the past. So, <laughs> so I think um, I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, in some ways, I still feel like a rookie. I think, uh, I mean, one thing that's helped is, is to figure out when am I home and when, when am I working? And so I've rented an office downtown Vernon here for the past, uh, ever since 2016. Uh, so the past, no, has it? 2014? When was it? I can't remember. Uh, no, 2012. Sorry. It's been, oh yeah, it's been quite a while. And I just rented a little, to start a little small space for a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, and gradually, eventually we started this co-working space. But being able to leave my house with my laptop on my back, bike downtown, have a space that's just for work. And then when I go home, sometimes I still work at home, but very little. It's like, mm -hmm. it really helps having that separation. Mm -hmm. I've also tried to get better at, I think we, we have this feeling, or at least I have this feeling that I feel guilty if I'm not being more productive. Mm -hmm. And I've just realized like, I'm probably only going to be able to do one or two things a day. Like in terms of good work, like if I'm editing a video, that's going to be one of my things. And if I'm, you know, writing a blog post, that's going to be one of my things. And so when I'm honest with myself about my energy and how much time I really have to focus, it's actually not that much time. And I used to be really adamant about like being at the office as many hours as I could. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not leaving because I got, you know, I just got to keep grinding, got to keep hustling. and. I'm trying to be more open. I'm not great at this yet, but if my wife says, hey, can you pick the kids up from school today? And I'm like, man, it's 2.30. Like I could work another two hours. Uh, I'm trying to be more okay with going, yeah, I'm just going to go. Mm -hmm. And letting things go um, is very, can be really freeing and, and, and healthy. And... Um, yeah, I, I think that's been I think that's been good. Uh, I think also yeah. another like huge thing for me has been taking care of my mental and physical health. Uh -huh. And uh, so here I'll give this example. This is this is a good way to close because I think this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. So I would put the kids to bed, yeah. and it's like you know, for a while there, it's like four kids. I got to put four kids to bed. It's <laughs> like, get, go to get to one kid and then you're doing, you know, getting drinks of water and story time and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And I get to the end of it, I'll just be like, fuck. <laughs> and I would take down a bottle of whiskey and I would take a shot. And it was kind of my way of, you know, okay, I'm finally done that. That was hard. I'm done. Yeah. But if you do that all the time, uh, that means you're drinking a lot. <laughs> and yeah. I never thought it was a big deal. I just felt like, well, what's the, you know, it's, I'm not like an alcoholic or anything, right? But then when I was having mental health issues, my therapist said, 
I want you to go see your, your doctor, like my actual family doctor. And I was like, why? Like, why would I go see my family doctor? So I went and saw my family doctor and my family doctor, you know, why are you here? Well, I'm kind of down and, and my family doctor said, oh, I'm glad you came. This is really important kind of health stuff to figure out. If you're feeling depressed as your doctor, I need to know. I'm like, okay. She's like, uh, so what, um, what are you, how much are you drinking? I'm like, that's a weird question. I said, well, not that much. I usually have one or two drinks after the kids go to bed. She says, okay. She's like, that, um, that's actually quite a bit, especially if you're depressed. Huh. And she said, right, what, uh, what drugs are you doing? I said, well, everyone, you know, cannabis is legal here in Canada. And I said, well, every once in a while, I'll eat a little bit of marijuana. Just a little bit. Huh. She's like, okay, that's interesting. How much exercise are you doing? Uh, you know, I kind of bike down to work and bike back every day. She said, okay, this is my prescription. She said, I want you to stop drinking. I want you to stop using marijuana. And I want you to double your exercise. And the reason is those things that you're doing are uh, like booze is a depressant. And so if you're not feeling good and you drink to make yourself feel better, it's actually making you feel worse. The other thing is to double your exercise because you're going through a lot of, you, you got a lot of emotional strain. Like just being a parent is hard. And, and uh, you want to, you almost need to be in peak physical and emotional and mental form. Yeah. And so this, you know, exercise helps you mentally and it helps you physically. And so I was like, okay. So I just started biking, you know, I'd bike up the hill. And normally, you know, that's where I'd stop because I'm home. I'd be like, okay, well, I got to double it. So I'd bike down and I'd bike back up again. And just that alone started to kind of lift me out of these negative feelings I was having, which has made me a way better father. <laughs> so the, the things yeah. that you can kind of slip into when you're a parent, like, ah, uh, you know, again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking or whatever, but I think we've got to be careful yeah. about the negative habits we kind of pick up along the way. Yeah. And when we become aware of them, you know, I had to have my doctor say, well, this is kind of a negative habit you've got here. Which is a and great maybe, doctor, by the way. That yeah, that, that. yeah. And I think most family doctors um, in the Western world anyway, are, they're equipped for this. This is part of what they do. Mm -hmm. And so uh, but it's good advice for anybody. Like if, if you are feeling like you're not in peak form, uh, that's, I did this at the beginning of this year too, by the way, January 1st, I said, I'm going to quit drinking until we hit a certain revenue mark. Uh -huh. Well, we've hit it, but I feel so good. I'm just going to keep it going. Nice. And I'm not getting religious about it. It's not like yeah. I'm saying I'm never going to have a drink again, but man, does it affect your, it affects you personally. Yeah. Yeah. And we pick these things up and they, some of these negative habits, even <laughs> we're telling ourselves they, they're not affecting us, but they are. They're affecting the way we parent. They're affecting our relationship with our spouses. They're affecting our relationships with other people. And maybe most importantly, foundationally, yeah. they're affecting the way we see ourselves. And 
I think uh, dealing with those things, things I previously kind of swept under the carpet, <laughs> that's been the biggest thing for me. And so now I just feel like with my kids, I'm, I'm there. Like yeah. I, work is not the most important thing to me. I'm okay with just stopping work and going home and hanging out with them. That's, yeah. that's great. And, uh, but I had to take care of myself mentally first before I could yeah. get there. Dude, that's a crazy, awesome story. So, yeah, it's, and it's so like those small things that we don't understand. Like we sometimes are not aware that we are, you know, I mean, like you said, like having kids is tough mentally. It's tough physically. It's, it's like, it's not like, of course, obviously it's rewarding in the, in the same exact form as, it, as it's exhausting. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like, it, it's crazy. You have to be a peak for performer. You have to be high mm-hmm. cheer to have kids in a way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're yeah. just like depressed. You're like, and, and you can do stuff like normal Western world stuff, like have a, a you know, just like a drink or two every night yeah. and then like, you know, a bit of, a, a bit of weed here and there. And then you're like, yeah. you know, just like, and, and you don't have exercise because you don't have time too much to exercise. Right. And then you're yeah. like, totally, you're fucking yourself up. And like, this is something that is so like, I think so many people are doing and, and it's legitimate. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's, it can go onto the radar. So first of all, amazing mm-hmm. that you caught it and that you're, you are in the surrounding where like you, you put yourself in the, in like in the hands of the people that actually, you know, um, yeah. told you, Hey, you should check this. You should take that. And now the doctor and, um, and that you actually took action on. Yeah. I think, I think that was key. I, we have so much of this like rugged individualism mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> We need people, especially if you're parenting, you need people. And so for me, part of that was getting a therapist, mm. you know, going to my doctor, which I never wanted to do, <laughs> but also having some other friends and people in my life um, where, where you can share the real kind of stuff of life mm-hmm. and not just be trying to figure it all out yourself under your own you know, roof, like we've, we've got, you got, you got to have some support. You got to have some connection with other people where you can talk about the real life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that had a huge impact on me. It's funny to say that. I mean, I find the people that I um, can talk to, like I connect with myself with people from my industry in a way. Like I just connect more with entrepreneurs like myself. I have a lot of friends. Um, but the, the the ones that are not entrepreneurs like me, they just don't mm-hmm. get me a lot of the times, even though they are parents. And but they're like, I don't know, when they have a day job and they come back, and I'm like, Whoop, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like it's just uh, we don't connect on the same level. So I definitely get you, and I think like everybody here listening now who's a creative entrepreneur is also kind of like, wow. Like if if you're a parent, you're getting us, you're probably feeling us like crazy. And if you're mm-hmm. not a parent, you probably just you can prepare yourself for what's coming because if you will be, if you, if you want to be parent, it's freaking amazing. Like, I think like mm-hmm. life, I mean, you can say you have four kids, crazy. Like that's mm-hmm. life. Um, mm-hmm. Tribe of people around you, giving them love, seeing again what entrepreneurship is for a kid. Like mm-hmm. they are the, the most, you know, they're grinding all the time, like crying, mm-hmm. fighting, uh, fighting, like jumping, laughing, uh, running. It's like, it's crazy. And um, yeah, 
and uh and yeah man but still it has it still it has its uh its issues that you, we gotta take care of and you gotta be aware of yeah exactly so um yeah man really appreciate um really appreciate it and i think i think we can i definitely have a lot to we can talk about that for so long i just want to end with uh mentioning something related to what you were talking about um there's mm-hmm. a great documentary do you have netflix yeah so have you watched heal no so it's an amazing documentary on um kind of like how our body treats disease um and and stuff like that um okay in relation to our mindset um and our in our mind so anyways amazing amazing documentary just like watch it everybody here listening as well watch it if you can um i just, i really enjoyed it so um cool yeah, yeah i just i just thought i'm gonna add it to my list awesome cool Cool. So Justin, man, like, thank you so much for coming on the show and being on for so long. I hope everybody here that listened enjoyed this as well. Appreciate you for everything that you do. You have amazing content. You have such authenticity that not a lot of entrepreneurs have, you know, like I know you're super successful and, um, and like you're, you're still doing, you're still grinding at it. You're still a constant learner. And you're still like kind of like uh, searching like everybody else and, and admitting that you're just like a human being. So thank you. I, I, I want to congratulate you for that. Well, thanks. It was, it was really great to be here and to meet you and have this great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And thank you so much. And everybody, uh, if you love this, then feel free to uh, find um, Justin on Twitter. And um, Justin, like, what's your handle on Twitter? I'm the letter M, M- letter I, Justin, M-I Justin. M-I Justin. And that's also on Instagram, right? That's right. Yeah. So, all right. So, am I Justin on Twitter where you mostly hang out on Instagram as well? People check out his YouTube channel. Check out the blog on justinjackson.ca. Check out uh, Transistor FM, all right? Mm-hmm. And Transistor FM slash start if you want to start your own podcast. Um, yeah. Check out Marketing for Developers if you want to <laughs> um, <laughs> market yourself as a developer or as a creative. And um, yeah, like just follow you know, Justin around because I think it's like really great content that you're putting out everywhere. So I really enjoy following you all around. And so thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. So it's a wrap. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, everyone. I really enjoyed it and Justin is amazing and I also actually after this episode switched to Transistor, Transistor.fm, um, his podcast hosting service and I am really amazed by it. It's great. I really enjoy it and I think it's just fair. Uh, the pricing is really, really good. So I enjoy everything about it and if you would like to also consider moving to Transistor, I'm not getting paid for this, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'll definitely recommend there are a lot of platforms today if you want to host your podcast, but um, if you want to ask me more about that, feel free to do so over our social media. Send me a DM and I'll, ha- I'll be happy to assist you with that as well. And finally, if you have a podcast and um, you're looking for an editor and uh, a way to upload it to WordPress and stuff like that, then I have actually a service for that as well. This is the first time I'm telling you about it. So um, if you have a podcast or if you would like to launch a podcast, you can let me know and I have a podcast um, service that basically what we do, we take your podcast, we edit it and then we upload it to WordPress 
and we do everything for you. Basically, it's like you record and then you send us, uh, you know, the recording and the intro, the outro, the show notes, and we do the rest for you. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Feel free. And I hope you enjoyed this episode again, everybody. Have a great day, night, wherever you're on the world. See you on the next one. The substance is in the words. The substance is in what you write or what you say. And if you don't have any substance there, no one's going to pay attention. So you might as well just start with the words, right?